Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Today, I want to talk to you about getting your vision back. Getting your vision back. Um, we started out the, the series week one. We talked about four qualities of vision, identifying what vision looks like, how vision operates, who does vision impact, uh, you know, what are the markers that we can look for in our lives to say, am I still being led and working toward a vision or have I let go of some things? Have I, uh, as we talked about in the uh, first uh, week, looking in the rearview mirror, maybe gotten distracted, maybe drifted off or digressed in, in some areas, how can we get back on track. Maybe you need to pull a U-turn. Maybe you just need to merge back in. Whatever that looks like, you need to get back on track. So we went over those four qualities. Last week, we talked about uh, addition by subtraction. Amen? We talked about the resistance that vision meets. And all vision, vision from God at least, is going to meet some resistance. It's going to butt up against some things. There's going to be some challenges and some opposition. But we saw through the book of Acts that the church, when it was beginning, uh, when it was being launched, when vision was being cast, uh, we saw that the, every time resistance showed up, multiplication showed up, addition showed up, that God was adding to in light of opposition. I mean, literally in the very next verse, guys, it doesn't have to take long. It's as quick as we can redirect our focus off the challenge, off the problem, and back onto the vision that he's given us. That's not stopping me. I'm digging my heels in. I'm getting some resolve about this thing. And so I'm, I'm gonna keep moving forward in spite of the challenges and the opposition that we faced. And I'll remind you that the church grew tremendously in years and in times of probably the greatest oppression it's ever met. We're seeing the, the nation of God, the challenge uh, that is being faced even in the earth today. Uh, we've, we've been bombarded and consumed with all that's happening in Israel and, and all the things overseas, uh, all things that have been foretold of and prophesied about seeing these things unfold. But I promise you, this is not the end. This is just the beginning. We are just seeing the culmination of what God put in place that said, these things will happen. Trials and tribulations will come, but be of good cheer. Be of good cheer in light of, in spite of, as things are still swirling around you, you can still be of good cheer. And we can meet this opposition head on. We can meet this resistance head on. We can dig our heels in the ground and we can become more resolved than ever to fulfill and accomplish the vision that God has called us. So how do we get our vision back? Because this is what resistance does. This is what opposition does. Is It, calls, it starts to uh, diminish our vision. It starts to compromise our vision. It starts to affect our ability to see long-term, to see longevity, to see down the road. And we become very short-sighted to where I only can see what's in front of me and what's around me. And what happens is vision becomes blurred, vision becomes distracted, vision becomes hopeless, vision becomes, uh, you know, uh, you, know you, you begin to be motivated by the wrong things. We begin to retract a little. And I actually wrote down a few things that are effects of lost 
vision. Maybe some of these will resonate with you. Uh, We talked about meeting resistance last week, but you need the next steps. You need to know, okay, Pastor Mark, we had a great worship service. You prophesied, you spoke that we're getting our vision back. You spoke that we're gonna fulfill all that God has called us to do. You you spoke and you said the resistance is not gonna stop you. The opposition is not gonna hinder you. You're gonna press on and continue, but how do I get there? Well, some of these might resonate with you. Effects of lost vision, aimless. Become aimless. Remember we said this uh, either last week or maybe the week before, that when you are without vision, you wonder and you wander. We wonder, is it gonna happen? When will it happen? Is he gonna come through? Is it gonna show up? You begin to wonder, is the marriage gonna work? Is the healing gonna come? Are the finances gonna uh, uh, you know, level out? Uh, you know, is the business gonna be restored? Whatever it is that you're gaining and keeping vision for. But we become aimless. And that doesn't mean you're not shooting. It just means you don't have a laser sharp target. So we start blasted in with a shotgun rather than being extremely laser focused and targeted like an arrow, we said in one of the weeks. Like an arrow, you have a bullseye target at the end and that's not a little bit to the left, not a little bit to the right, not a little bit up, not a little bit down, right on target. But we begin to just hope and just spray these rounds out and hope that we hit something, hope that we make a difference, hope that we manufacture uh, uh, some form of vision that we think God has given us. We become aimless, we become disoriented. We don't know which way is up. We don't know which way is down. We don't know which way is left. We don't know which way is right. We, we know the word, but it says that it's a clear step. It, it, it orders our steps. The word uh, that it keeps us one step at a time. But when you become disoriented, your steps, you feel like you might be going in the wrong direction. Aimless and disoriented. Discouraged and hopeless. It's discouraging living without vision. It's discouraging because vision is a set expectation. And when you live with expectation, you also live with the risk of failing to meet that expectation. You live with the day uh, eventually, and maybe some of us have arrived at this place, I don't wanna hope anymore and I don't wanna believe anymore because that means the potential of it not coming through not being fulfilled. And so I'd rather just live discouraged because I I can't be let down if I don't set an expectation, right? So we live discouraged, hopeless. I've kind of hit on this, but we become fearful. Fear is an effect of lost vision. And I wrote this down too, risk averse become risk averse. I don't want to take those steps. I don't want to challenge. I don't want to get beyond my comfort zone. I don't want to get out of the boat. I don't want to get out of the box. You settle in, you become complacent because the comfort of complacency is more tolerable than the challenge of moving forward toward the vision that God has called you. I promise it gets better. I know this isn't uh, super encouraging right now, but that's okay. Uh, We're talking about getting out of this today. I'm gonna move you beyond this 
today. Amen. You don't have to live fearful. You don't have to live discouraged. You don't have to live expecting people to let you down. You don't have to uh, live uh, in a hopeless state. You don't have to just wander aimlessly through life. And the last one that I wrote down that I've seen people uh, become or overtake people's lives when they're lacking vision in their lives, kind of the last state, if you will, is they become critical. become hypercritical. They, they become cynical. They question everything, maybe even skeptical. Critical, criticism, cynicism. Everyone's going to let me down. They can't believe the best in anything or anyone. This is just another uh, uh, opportunity uh, to be discouraged in life. Criticism, cynicism, and skepticism overtake someone's life when they don't have vision. And I've noticed this too that people without vision are extremely intimidated and even irritated with people that do have vision. And so many times what they're criticizing is really what they want to become. They criticize how busy someone is, but it's really because they're lacking in their life and they are wanting some sense of purpose in their life. Now, busyness doesn't mean purpose. We've already talked about that. Just busyness alone is artificial significance. Busyness alone isn't achieving the goal, isn't arriving at the purpose, isn't arriving. And some people would rather just consume themselves with activity that's meaningless than really drill down on what is getting me to my purpose. But those without vision become highly intimidated by those with vision. In Numbers 33, we, we see this. You could just write it down. It's not a passage that I have for you this morning, but you know, it, it's one that we hit on a lot uh, with the 12 spies. And we had 10 spies that were greatly intimidated by two. You don't even need a major, majority. You just need one person with vision to set an uproar to a group of people that don't have any vision. It doesn't take much. Two men, Joshua and Caleb said, we are well able. This is the land he promised. We can take this territory. And the other 10 questioned it and doubted it and, and failed to continue to pursue and eventually died in a wilderness. And eventually they had to, the, 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 the 10 spies overruled and overran the two intimidated by, and, and, and so they get around people with vision and, and they can't handle it. They can't tolerate it. They, it. It greatly reveals and identifies that they're lacking vision, lacking purpose, that they're aimless, that they're wandering when someone else is directed and aiming laser focused at what God has called them to do. And so these effects of lost vision, and we already know this, that uh, the, the word of God tells us that we perish without vision. So apparently it's important for every believer to live with vision. So I wanna go ahead and clear that up right off the top here. There, this does not disqualify anyone. This does not exclude anyone. There's nobody in this room that's like, well, you know, I don't really need vision. I've done well, I've accomplished. I've, and even if you have arrived to a certain state, you've got some things on your resume, so to speak. There's still more that God wants to do. Say that with me. Say, there's more that God wants to do with me 
and through me. There's more. There is so much more that he wants to produce. There's so many more places he wants to go. There's so many more things he wants to touch and to heal through your life. But when we exclude vision, when we put ourselves on the outside, I've done my part, I've, I've, put, I've put in my effort and my share, then we are removing ourselves from participants in God's plan to orchestrate what he wants to do in the earth today. Can I get an amen? And so we need vision in our lives. Do not get comfortable living without vision. That ought to be uncomfortable to you. You have no vision. You're like, man, this isn't good. I, I got to find something to strive toward, work toward. I've got to find something to press on toward. I've got to have something ahead of me. Even my accomplishments, even my celebrations, even my parties, even the moments where I can reflect and see God doing something great and mighty, I've got to step back in and I've got to say, okay, what is the next thing that's up? What's the next thing? It's like in baseball, we say there's always someone on deck, right? You might be at bat you know, performing and finishing up, but there's something on deck that God has that he wants to keep this thing going. Keep this thing going. So go with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. We just found out how many men in this church are told what to wear by their wives, <laughs> including me. I was told and uh, I had no idea. I walked in and the you know, worship team was already on stage wearing the same. I'm like, what? There's no way we all got it right. That good. <laughs> I probably, I still haven't found the culprit, but I'm believing she's sitting right down here on the front row in the corner. It's just like my wife to orchestrate something like that. That's great. We're all going to chop down trees after service. Hope you brought your axes. <laughs> We're all going to go cut down some lumber, apparently. Get ready for Christmas. We're all being sent out to get our Christmas trees. All right. Isn't it, church ought to be fun, man. This should not be boring in here. This should be exciting and new and fresh. And Yeah. Thank God. Matthew 13, verse 10, 13, verse 10. And his disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. Others are not. Why, what is that? To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. Remember, we've been talking this year and we've been tying this vision series into our theme of the year, abundant clarity. Abundant clarity. Say that with me. Say abundant clarity. Abundant clarity. God wants to lead us with abundant clarity, with abundant awareness, with a greater awareness, with a heightened awareness to what he is doing. And a lot of times when we talk about vision, you know, we, we, we can all, uh, just like we can all come in here naturally with different levels of vision and eyesight, 
You know, there are people in here with glasses on. There are people in here with contact lenses. There are people uh, in here with great eyesight. Some of you, you know, just, you know, you receive that blessing right on uh, through life, which is something that I long for. And so I went and got LASIK done a few weeks ago. And so, you know, now I'm feeling good with the rest of you guys. I can see in the shower and I can see when I wake up and I can put on sunglasses without having to take off another pair and just, you know, it's, it's great. I've joined the rest of you, 2020 vision. Thankful to my, my encouragement down here, Miss Elizabeth. She went and got hers. She told me all about it, and I signed up the next day. I was like, sign me up. That's what I need. Correcting vision. You, this is the thing. No matter where you're at, whether you, you've already got gray eyesight or not, you have to correct where the blurs are. You know, mine was, mine was bad. How many of you, uh, I don't know how many of you have contacts or understand that I was a minus seven and a half. I heard that, wow. I heard that. Minus seven, that's, that's off the charts, man. That's up there. And, and the doctor told me, he said, this is gonna be life-changing for you. I said, yes, it is. I received that word. Life-changing, transformational. Why? Because... You cannot function with incorrect eyesight. Now, maybe some of us have learned to function that way. You know, I mean, in my house, I can get around, right? You got an idea. But I mean, if I'm somewhere, you know, in a foreign territory or, you know, I've got to have, and then of course, driving, going, you know, any distance in a vehicle. So you've got to have correct Vision and, and he's establishing here that, that even when Jesus showed up, he's saying, man, there are some that they can see clearly, but then there are others that they are compromised in their sight, compromised in their seeing. He goes on to say in verse 13, that is why I use these parables for they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear and they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see. And their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see. And your ears, because they hear. I could ask any child, what are your ears for? They're for hearing. What are your eyes for? They're for seeing. And so it happens the same way spiritually. We have ears to hear, and we should have eyes to see. But just as my natural hearing or my natural eyesight can become compromised or even disabled, so can my spiritual ability. And that's what we're talking about. Remember, we said that sight is a matter of the eyes, but vision is a matter of the heart. Sight is a matter of the eyes, but vision is a matter of the heart. When we're talking about you've lost vision, obviously we're not talking about your natural eyesight. We're talking about your ability to see and perceive what God is doing, how he's doing it, when he's doing it. And we're correcting that vision through this series. He says, I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people longed to see 
what you see, but they didn't see it. And they longed to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. And just as much as in this day when Jesus wrote this passage, the same is true today. We have an epidemic of lost vision. Lost vision is an epidemic. Lost vision is not a state we should remain in. Lost vision is not something you should be comfortable with. Lost vision is not something that we should adjust to. But that's typically what we do. We find a way to adjust to it. We find a way to hope less. We find a way to wander and wander aimlessly. Uh, Jesus put it this way, groping in darkness. When you've lost vision, you're left to groping and feeling your way. And, and, And this is the thing. Many people are feeling their way through life where God wanted them to see their way through. What do I mean? They're relying on and leaning on emotion. How do I feel? Well, it doesn't make me feel good. Well, it's not supposed to. But if you could see what God is doing in the midst of it, right? All things work together for our good. And so we start resisting and we start pushing back on and we start, you know, uh, 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 adjusting to the challenges and, to, and we think that they're indicators that we're failing. Just like we talked about last week with resistance, many of us have learned to think and adjusted our thinking to believe that if I'm met with resistance, I must be doing something wrong. And we use that as an indicator to tell us, nope, don't press anymore. Don't disrupt anybody. Don't challenge it. Leave it alone. You know what they did last time. You know what they said last time. So rather than pushing through the resistance, we have felt rather than seen what God is doing. It's an an epidemic to live without vision. The Bible's clear enough that we ought to live with vision. And here's the thing, Matthew 13, verse 44. If you jump on down, he actually uses this uh, uh, text that I just read you as the pattern and the template for how all the rest of his parables will go. He says, I speak to them in parables. Remember, we've been saying this all year. God is not hiding something from you. He's what? Hiding it for you. He's not hiding it from you. He has hidden it for you. He has set it aside for your good. He has set it aside for such a time as this. He has set it aside and and, and he's prepared it especially for you. And in Matthew 13, verse 44, it says this, heaven's kingdom realm, this is reading out of the passion, can be illustrated like this. A person discovered that there was hidden treasure in a field. So here's the thing, vision is more than just imagination. Typically, we align imagination with, you know, something that is made up or seeing something that doesn't really exist. But it's more than imagination. Vision, when you live truly with vision, the way God designed us to live with vision, it goes just beyond imagining something to discovering something. I didn't just imagine that God said that. I discovered that God said that. 
Why is this important? Because what will happen is you'll start to get some clarity of vision, but it'll be so far-fetched. It'll be so far beyond what you thought God could do or what you thought he could do through you or how he could use you or what you were capable of. Remember, one of the four qualities that we said was that vision draws out potential. And I've watched people get scared by the potential that is in them. It's too overwhelming to believe that God could use me in that way that I could be in front of that many people, have that much influence, play that instrument, uh, 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 be given that kind of assignment. And it overwhelms and it's like, whoa. And, and again, if it doesn't overwhelm you, it might not be a vision from God. Because look in the Bible, he was blowing people's minds with the vision he would give them. I mean, Moses is literally arguing with God with a burning bush. You think you would just take him at his words like, man, this thing on fire, but it's not burning up, whatever you say. But he's, he's, he's ah, you got the wrong guy. I'm not the one. My stuttering problem, and, and I was the murderer, and, and I've run away, and, and all these different reasons. We start using reason to talk ourselves out of the very thing God is trying to talk you into. And your potential is, your, your potential is what scares you. Your potential is what overwhelms you. It's not that you don't think God can do it, it's that you don't think you can do it. You mean I can lay hands on the sick and see him recover? That's what the word says. If you get a vision for your life, get his vision for your life, that, that potential will get drawn out. You mean I can cast out demons? You mean I can be an influence for the kingdom of God? You mean I can start that business? You mean it, it could grow to that level? You mean I could uh, uh, employ that many people? And so it goes beyond imagination to physical discovery of what is actually there. He found treasure hidden. That doesn't mean the treasure just all of a sudden showed up. It was there the whole time. When you start correcting your vision, you're only gonna start seeing what was there the whole time. What God was doing the whole time. How he wanted to use you the whole time what your kids were capable of the whole time, what the ministry could do the whole time, what the business was, uh, uh, was capable of the whole time. The whole time. You're just discovering what's buried in the field. But he goes on to say, upon finding it, he hid it again because of uncovering, uh, because of uncovering such treasure. He was overjoyed and sold all that he possessed to buy the entire field just so he could have the treasure. He decides, I'm going all in on this thing. He decides, I'm laying it all down. This vision is so important, it's gonna consume all of me. I'm only seeking after what can I do with this treasure? How can I get this treasure? And I'm willing to lay everything else down. And so that, that's the, 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 one of the key instruments, the, the key ways that we get our vision back is, are you sold out to it? Are you sold out to it? I don't know, you know, we, we've, uh, sometimes I, I've even made this statement to people when it comes to God and the things of God. And, and the thought is good, but I, I just, I don't know that it even, I don't know that it works. Sometimes I'll say, man, just try it God's way. 
I mean, you've tried every way else. You tried relying on people. You tried the credit cards. You tried doing it this way. You tried doing it. Just try it God's way. But I'll be honest, I don't know that there's any try with God's kingdom. It's, a, it's an all-in approach. And I'm not trying to exclude anybody. I'm not trying to say you're not doing enough. But, but I, I think we've just got to get a little deeper in our hearts, our heart of hearts to say, man, I'm not just trying this thing on. I'm not just hoping it works out. We're doing it God's way. And we're selling out to it completely. And if it fails, I mean, it's the get out of the boat and walk on the water and get so far away that you can't reach back and jump in. You're just gonna have to have that kind of approach. God, I'm putting you to the test on this thing. Don't just try tithing, do it. Sell out to it. Don't just try trusting in God. Trust in God above all else, regardless of all else. No try, go all in. So I wanna give you four keys today to restoring vision. I've tried to make this very obtainable. I've tried to make this very understandable and, and in a way that um, we can all grab it and easily apply these things. Number one, four keys to restoring vision. Number one, seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. We all know the verse in Matthew chapter six. I wanna start with verse 31, actually. Verse 31 says, therefore do not worry, saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows that you need all of these things. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Then he closes out and says, therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The answer for worry is seeking. And it's a full on seeking. It's a seek first. It's a seeking that doesn't even consider other things to seek after. There's no consideration. Seek first. Seek first. Seek first. Now, I mean, do you think he means seek first the kingdom and then after you've sought the kingdom, then you can seek everything else? No, I think he's saying if you would seek first the kingdom, you'll find that's all the seeking you will need to do. But it's a full-on intentional approach. That's why tithing after you've paid everything else doesn't work. That's not the tithe. It might even be 10%, but the word tithe actually means the first 10%. You trust him with the first off the top, believing that everything else. Come on. And so there's a seek first. What does this mean? This means there are no competing agendas. There's no competing agendas. There's no, I'll seek your way, God, but I've still got a little bit of my way. Or after I've given this much attention and effort, I'm gonna 
divert back over to this. When it comes to vision, it's gotta be the only thing you seek after. It can't have a little bit of you left in. You're gonna have to abandon all, abandon all to go after. I'm reminded of Samson. And Samson's such a great uh, person to identify because Samson literally lost his sight. But you know what's interesting about Samson's life is when he lost his sight, that's when he became the most effective. That's interesting. It's when he finally sold out to all that God had planned for him. Oh, the, the, the things Samson could have done. And it's interesting because his strength was still there and his might was still there and his power was still there. It was, he, he, was, he was doing great exploits, but he was doing them for himself, not for God, not fulfilling the plan that God had for him. He was fulfilling his own desires, his own selfish lusts, whether it was people, whether it was influence, he was trying to gain, whether it was uh, women, he was trying to get access to. And it led him down a very dangerous path. And eventually when they caught him and, and, and they, you know, Delilah uh, had them cut his hair and, and, and they came in and, and they arrested him, his strength was gone. They literally physically gouged out his eyes. And it was in that moment without sight, he got his vision. You must lose your sight to gain your vision. But as long as you're still seeing everything around you, as long as you have a clear picture of the way it is, you'll never be able to achieve what it could be. And some people still have their eyes on what it was. People have their eyes on what it is and it's robbing you of what it could be. It's robbing you of a future. It's robbing you of a hope. It's robbing, your, 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 your sight is informing you rather than your vision. You're taking cues by how I see things now. You're taking cues by, well, it didn't work last time. Some of us might even be trying to use a measure that God used in a past season, but it's not how he's working in this season. We're striking the rock and he said, speak to it. Now, striking the rock worked last time. And it's interesting because striking the rock worked the second time. I'm talking about Moses in the wilderness. But the second time God said to do what? Speak to the rock. And out of your anger and out of your frustration and out of your irritation with the way things are, we lash out, we disobey a command from God, we expect it to work the same way he did it last time, and we're, we're, we're being led by sight rather than vision. But God, it worked last time, but now he's trying to show you a new way. He's trying to show you another side of him. And ultimately, he's just testing, are you gonna do it my way or are you gonna do it your way? Do we have competing agendas? Are there two different wills at play here? Are, are there two different options? Are you just gonna do my way and if it doesn't work, I've always got a backup plan? No, there's an abandoning. There's a sellout. There's a seek first the kingdom of God. Number two, to connect it to that, surrender to his will. Surrender 
to his will. Number one is seek after his kingdom. Number two is surrender to his will. And I wanna try to drill this down and show you what this surrender looks like. In Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, in verse one, it talks about faith. And we all know what faith is, right? Faith is seeing the invisible. Faith has the ability of seeing what is not yet there. Again, we're not talking about imagination. I didn't just imagine it. I didn't just conjure it up. I have some form of word. I have something that, that, that builds this. This is what's on the horizon. This is what I'm calling you to. You will deliver the people of Israel. Uh, you will go from your father's house to a, a territory in the land that, that's unfamiliar to you. I will bless you. I'll make you a great nation. <clears throat> I'll make you king over Israel. I'll take you from the pasture to the palace, whatever the vision is. So you're not just imagining. Faith sees it as if it were right now. And verse one says that faith is the substance. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So hope has a strong role here. Sometimes we talk a lot about faith, but we forget about hope. I've got a hope for it, and then I put substance to it. Faith actually puts substance to what is hoped for. It's the evidence. You know, if anybody ever asks you, I need evidence, I need proof, there's your faith. Faith provides evidence. You know, if you're, uh, you know, solving a crime, you're looking for Evidence, you're looking for proof. You're looking for something that's displayed that tells you this is what occurred. This, I wasn't physically there. I wasn't there in the moment, but, but this, this took place and I've got the evidence to prove it. it says, for by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By what? By faith. By faith they obtained a good testimony. Look what uh, verse three says. It says, by faith, these four, first four words right here, by faith, we understand. By faith, we understand. By faith, we understand. Now, most of us, a lot of us, live where we want understanding to precede faith. We want understanding first, then we'll believe. And he says, no, no, no. By faith, we understand. The understanding comes after you take the step of faith. Understanding, what, what am I saying? That sometimes we don't surrender because it doesn't make sense. We don't yield because I can't reason it out. My understanding gets in the way. And I'm not telling you not to seek understanding. I'm not telling you that you can't know. I'm saying that you need to be of, uh, of the nature that I will step out by faith and I'll believe that I'll understand in the end or as I go along. But I do not need reasoning and I do not need understanding. I don't need to piece it all out. And, and, and all the type ones and the, all the type A's in the room are like, you know, you're crazy, Pastor Mark. Well, I get it. I'm right there with you. I like to have it spelled out. I like to be prepared. I like to have everything in order. I like to know how this is gonna work out and what exactly is gonna happen before 
I, I don't know who the first person was that got LASIK surgery done, but man, there's some trusting going on. Huh? Somebody had to be the first one. I said, man, we've done all the tests and, and, and we've got the, 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 pro, the programs and the lasers and the equipment and, and, and we can run all the, the dummy tests you want, but, but somebody's got to be the first human being to get up under that thing and say, I'll, I'll try it. And you may not, and, and let me tell you something. We do this all the time. You did it this morning getting in your car. And all the car mechanics, you just be quiet for a moment because all the rest of us, we don't know what just happened. You turn the key or, you know, maybe a lot of us just push the button. Most cars are like that now. I can't tell you how it started. I can't tell you by pushing that button, it turns the engine on and, and then I can move it into, uh, you know, what, whatever, you know, park, reverse, drive, whatever. I, I, don't, I don't have to know or understand to follow through and just take the steps that he's shown me to take. But God, it doesn't make sense. feels like I'm going backwards. It's okay. That's the step he showed you. But surrender, we're seeking first his kingdom. Then we've got to surrender to his will, surrender to his way of doing things. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. His righteousness means his way of doing things. And I've got to be surrendered to that. My obedience doesn't follow my understanding. My obedience leads my understanding. You would be surprised how much you would understand all that you're going through and all that God is doing and all that God is orchestrating in your life if you would just be bold enough to take the steps he's showing you. You'd be surprised. The clarity that would come. Don't reduce his plan to what you can understand. Don't reduce his plan to what you can understand. And I heard someone say this, and I thought it was really good. If you restrict obedience to understanding, then you've created a God in your image. If it makes sense, that's pretty small. We are imaginative beings. We have a great capacity to believe and, and, and to see and to imagine. But I'm telling you right now, God wants to explode beyond your imagination. He wants to do far exceedingly above what we can ask or think. One translation says, or imagine. He wants to do beyond that. And so if we're lowering God down into a box that makes sense to us, that's a small God. Let's strive to get beyond the box. Let's work to, God, I, I, I may not understand it, but I'll get in the car. I'll put my foot on the brake. I'll push the button. It's gonna start. It's gonna go. I don't know how all the parts in there under the hood are working together and doing their thing and, and the alternator to the, to the, and the gasoline's pumping and, and whatever. I don't know, but it works. I'm trusting you. I'm believing in you. Surrender to his will. Seek his kingdom, surrender to his will. Number three, start with hearing. This is a big one. If you've lost vision, you've lost the ability to see, start with what you can hear. If you can't see it, you need to hear it. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 talking about faith. 
It says, so faith comes. Faith is what? Seeing the invisible. But faith comes by what? Faith comes by what? If you are compromised in your ability to see it, then just just posture yourself to hear it. That's why testimonies are so great. Because testimonies for people that have a testimony, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, but you don't know who you're helping deliver from, for someone else that can't see a way out, can't see a way through. How much your condition would relate to their condition. It's a way to overcome, he says. But many people, this is the thing, what you hear will compromise what you see. Maybe I should put it this, uh, this way. What you hear determines what you see. So you're having a problem seeing, but you're listening to all the stuff that's compromising your ability to see. You're listening to negative reports. Go back to Numbers 33 again. What they heard overruled what they saw. What did they see when they came back? Let's just take the the spies. They were physically in the land, weren't they? What were some of the things they saw? You remember the list? They saw giants, fortified cities. They saw... Uh, you know, territory too vast for them to, to oversee. But they saw some other stuff. They saw a land flowing with milk and honey. They saw grapes and clusters of grapes so large that they had to be carried But what they heard, overruled what they saw. And this is the point I was trying to make in that first week. They had no problem with that vision until they physically laid their eyes on it. It would have been better if they would have gone into that territory blind. It would have been better for them if they would have gone into that that vast land flowing with, with the inability to physically see what was in front of them because you're trying to trust God's word, but you are looking directly at the current situation or the current state of things. And before you know it, you, all you hear is the grumbling and the complaining. It's the murmuring and the, God, why did you bring us out here to die? And you, we should have stayed in Egypt and we had it better off back there. And, 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 and all of our uh, you know, enemies are gonna overtake us. You start hearing these reports and they start building faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. What you hear determines what you see. Eventually, you're going to see what you're listening to. You continue to set yourself in the wrong crowd, in the wrong environment, around the wrong people, uh, in the wrong streams. 
you're not going to be able to see what God is doing. You're not going to be led by vision. You're going to be led by sight. Number four, we said, seek first the kingdom. We said, surrender to his will. We said, start with hearing. Number four, stay near. Stay near. John chapter 15, read through this quickly. John chapter 15 and verse one, I am the true sprouting vine and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. The words I have spoken over you have already cleansed you. So you must remain, everyone say remain. Remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. If you're seeing a lack of fruit, you need to check the root. You check what you're connected to. You check what you're engaged with. You check what you're surrounded by. You check what you are intimately knowing. He says, if you want to bear fruit from my kingdom, then you need to stay rooted and connected to me. He goes on to say, I am the sprouting vine and you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded. That's a lack of vision. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. But if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my father. Worship team, if you come. We have to seek first his kingdom. You cannot have competing agendas. You surrender to his will, surrender to his way. His ways are higher. His ways are better. His ways are greater. Bible says many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And we don't need our plans competing with his purpose. You won't be fruitful that way. You won't have vision in your life that way. Next, we said that if you can't see, you need to start with your hearing. What are you listening to? What are you engaged with? What are you taking in? What's the content? What are the streams? Who are the people you're surrounded with? Being around the right people is important. If you hang around people without vision, eventually you're not gonna have one either. Get around people with vision. Don't be intimidated. Do not be intimidated by people with great vision. Let it spur you to greater vision. Let it thrust you into, man, I I can believe too. I can see this come to pass. I can posture myself to surrender to his will. Get around people that have a vision for their life. I wanna be in rooms with people that are doing greater than what I'm doing and know more than I know and have more than I have. And I don't wanna be intimidated by those environments. I want it to be, I wanna be engaged in those environments so I can see his purpose prevail in my life. And then lastly, we need to stay near. Stay near, stay close, connect with, engage with what God is doing. I wanna show you a couple more verses. Philippians chapter three. How we doing back there, guys? We got some 
trying to wind it down, set them back down, and I'll go for another hour. They got a window. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, not that I have already attained. Come on, you know these verses. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. Everyone say press on. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. There is a pressing that we need. There's an effort we must maintain. This is not effort on our part to strive and become. We can strive because he's got great things laid up. There's a treasure in the field. There's something beyond what you can see. There's something underneath the dirt. All you see is the dirt. All you see is the mess. All you see is the junk. It just looks like an empty, abandoned field. But he's placed something in there that if you will intentionally purpose yourself to pursue, you can dig it up and find it. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. In the New Living, it reads this way. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. He's promised you great things. There's a treasure in the field. It's time to have eyes to see. It's time to have ears to hear. It's time to get connected with what God is doing and stay engaged. How do I restore my sight? I've lost vision. I've lost the ability to see. Some of us have lost the the desire to see. You seek first his kingdom, surrender to his will. Hear the word of God. Let it spur you on and challenge you and stay near to him. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, that you can help us get our vision back. You've given us a great vision. You've given us a great assignment. You are not done with us yet. You are not through working on us, working with us, working through us. Father, so much more yet to accomplish. We can look back in celebration. We can look back believing that you did it before. You'll do it again. You'll demonstrate your goodness. You'll demonstrate your power. We can see with our heart, eyes of our spirit, all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. 
There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.